AM 600 KIVA 93.7 FM, powering the future with none other than Larry Barron's. He's got a new musical selection each and every week uh, here in the Kiva. He doesn't feel the reaper, and he doesn't think you should either. And, uh, yep, we're back at it, folks. Uh, possible second shutdown. And we're to round up politics with the former communications director for Susanna Martinez. And that, of course, was Larry Barron's now with Power of the Future. Larry, good afternoon. How are you? Not good afternoon. I'm well. I put my pants on one leg at a time, only once they're on. Uh, we defend energy workers. You yeah, that's, that's not as funny as the original line. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure if you ever heard this uh, version of uh, Don't Feel, Fear the Reaper, but uh, the kids aren't going to clubs these days. And, uh, well, they used to play this uh, back uh, in the clubs, uh, uh, I don't know, a few years ago. Take a listen. Oh, no, that's not that one. That's the, that's the original. Now there's the other one. This is the actual remix. Take a listen, folks. It's Guess some- what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is small cowbell. Uh, what do you think about that, Larry? Huh? You hear the yeah, cowbell, I- the repetitive cowbell there? I think Blue Oyster Cult owes like a writer's credit to Christopher Walken. You know? I mean, people liked the song before. But there's no way it gets in the club mix if uh, Christopher Walken doesn't, you know, do what he does with the cowbell. And I'm pretty sure that it probably had a resurgence on the charts at some point directly due to uh, that exact thing, which is the resurgence of uh, of the song through the performers uh, sort of doing the their mix with the producer on Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, back when people would watch Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and, nobody watches it. They, they tried to be funny. Yeah, it is uh, a terrible show now, but a terrible show by the governor as well. What do you think of Thursday's conference, press conference, and the uh, the second bout of COVID coming our way? Well, it's the same thing that you and I have talked about for a while, and I tweeted it, and it got uh, Democrat legislators all mad. I think uh, even the governor's office, most people joined in on it. It's really simple. When the infection rates in New Mexico are going up, as they are now, the governor shifts the blame to two entities, one, President Trump, and two, us, the people of New Mexico. But yet when those same infection rates are going down, she takes 100% of the credit. Um, Democrat legislators, governor's office didn't like that I was, you know, being public about that. But that's just the fact of the matter is New Mexicans are waking up to it. And I think, you know, she talks, she likes to attribute it to fatigue, COVID fatigue. But really, it's just her complete loss of credibility. I think New Mexicans are somewhat interested in what she says. But, you know, they're done. They're done uh, patterning their lives uh, to something that, you know, it seems like more and more she is making a political decision about. And, you know, I was really interested to see also this week, it's a, it's a group that was, I, I think they met on the East Coast, and I want to say it's roughly 20,000 scientists, including uh, leading disease infection specialists here in the United States and across the world. They started this thing called the Great Barrington Declaration, and it essentially says lockdowns aren't working. They are doing more harm than good. Protect our vulnerable adults. Protect those who would be vulnerable to COVID. Otherwise, it, you are harming our children. And I know on Friday there was a protest in Albuquerque, to you know, of school kids just starting to say they want to get back and play. And so, I mean, this is, um, I mean, just to give you a sample, let me take a quick look of it. Uh, you know, the people who have signed on to this, Dr. Martin Kolderoff, he is a professor of medicine at Harvard. 
Dr. Sanetra Gupta, professor at Oxford, Dr. Jay Bakatrera, I mispronounced that last name, I apologize, but a professor at Stanford. So you have Harvard, Oxford, Stanford saying kids need to be back at school, people need to be getting back to their lives, and we have a governor who claims she's listening to science, which is turning out to be more and more of a lie. Uh, according to the American Institute for Economic Research, and uh, based upon what you submitted uh, here on air for us to consider, according to the leading topic, I mean the leading uh, couple sentences, the United States has turned a manageable disease into a catastrophe. Not only does it possess one of the largest number of deaths, but the economic lockdown policies led to a 32.9% drop in real GDP. This is in stark contrast to Taiwan, whose quarter two real GDP dropped by only 0.73% while never instituting draconian lockdown measures, as well as having one of the fewest total deaths or cases in the world. The United States' response in blue states left its citizens not only with more deaths, but less freedom and crippling economic turmoil. Yeah, and, and they're very clear about it. I mean, they say there very clearly in their declaration, those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. And just in case you think this is just three doctors that, you know, YouTube will kick off, I mean, you also have uh, disease spread specialists from, you know, the VA, from uh, University of Sussex, University of Leicester, Harvard, um, University of London, Israeli scientists, University of Cambridge, all these quote-unquote, or excuse me, I'll say scientists, but the people that are putting us under these lockdowns say that they listen to science. Uh, it is harming our kids to not be in school. And I can tell you, Eddie, and I know you'll probably agree, this is the greatest government intrusion in our personal lives, in our history, in, in the history since we've been alive. I'm not going to say in the whole United States history, but short of you know drafting you or I to go to war, or drafting our kids to go to war, this is the most the government has intruded in my life during my entire lifetime and is also the least scrutinized. I mean, the hard questions, particularly here in New Mexico, just aren't being asked other than good folks like you. And so it is tough to see these, you know, this looks like we're bending back towards putting more restrictions. I mean, the lockdowns just haven't worked in New Mexico. It's that clear. If you were handling this, and I thought there were some curious uh, little spots there during the uh, show, stuff like, well, me and my fiancé. I mean, how many 61-year-olds actually do you know that have a fiancé? That's a little weird, the, the phrasing of that, or he even speaks that way. Second, they were locked down in our place by ourselves. Third, you probably caught my uh, reference earlier in the week when she uh, blame the help, and I played that uh, smart little part from the uh, uh, Millie's Chocolate Pie, which is very interesting. I mean, the, the optics here are terrible for her, yet the local media continue to uh, prop her up. But just looking at this very commonsensical way, Larry, I mean, it looks bad. It does. And, you know, something that, that folks need to look at, too, and, and you've been doing it for months, but we need to, to continue to go back. Look at what she was saying in March and April. She was making some pretty dire predictions about what would happen back in March and April. These things did not pan out. Now, she's going to say, oh, yeah, because I acted so quickly. Keep in mind, she gets the credit when things go well. But she said that we would need 2,175 ICU beds. Did New Mexico need anywhere close to that in the seven months we have been grappling with this? The answer is no. The COVID field hospital on Gibson, I don't know. I can't tell. I went to look to see. Has it seen a single patient? I don't think it saw a single patient, yet the state signed I talked to the owner of the hospital, and the answer is no. The owner of the yeah. hospital is the same person who owns uh, uh, Nick and Jimmy's Nick Capison. Yeah, absolutely. But the state signed an $8 million lease for it. 
And so, and it's things, due too. They will pay yeah. for it. And these, so these dire predictions that were the cause for having this massive lockdown is, it, it, they just didn't come to pass at all. And so, I mean, you know, we tell the, the story to our kids of someone crying wolf. The governor is saying that. Now, I, I'm sure that, you know, her folks are going to yell at the radio right now. You don't care about the people that have passed away. Of course we do. Absolutely we do. But you have to not turn a blind eye to the dire consequences that are happening from the lockdown. We are number six in unemployment in New Mexico, number six in the nation. Over 100,000 New Mexicans are unemployed. There are, you know, parents worried about where the next meal for their children is going to come from. And I thought that was something that was really um, interesting on the press conference on Thursday when, you know, Dr. Scrace said, you know what the biggest underlying cause in New Mexico is, is poverty. And you could tell that really upset the governor because he went on to talk about how poverty is affecting things. And meanwhile, I'm sure in her mind, rolling through is like, oh, my goodness, we're number six in unemployment. He's touching on the thing that we don't want to talk about. And she just came back in in her very condescending way and said, my administration will fight poverty at any point we can. And then moved on to the next question. She did not like Dr. Scrace bringing that up because she knows the lockdown is exacerbating that problem. So we're seeing protests. Uh, you know, people standing up to her and her lockdowns. We're seeing more lawsuits, which is going to be difficult in a, you know, a New Mexico court environment. And but more and more people are starting to see, you know, this is not what um, what they were told was going to happen. And, you know, I've lost track of the holidays that she's canceled. I mean, we're coming up on Halloween. Halloween's not, over. Yeah. Halloween's canceled for this year. I mean, on back we started on, first. Uh, we started first with Easter. Yeah, yeah, and Mother's Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day, any, all of them, canceled, 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 and it's all completely your fault that, and when I say you are, I'm talking about every New Mexican who can hear us right now, it is your fault that things are going up, because if you, gosh darn it, just listen to the governor more, it would, you know, so much would be better, which is a lie. It is absolutely a lie. We can look at other states. Uh, you know, Vice President Pence pointed it out. We have a state that did lock down that showed us an example of what could happen. And it is nowhere near as devastating there as it was in New Mexico, both economically and from the virus. And New Mexicans are getting tired of being lied to. And so I know it's, it's, I'm, I'm preaching the choir because you are on top of it every day, more so than anyone else around. But the fact of the matter is, Every New Mexican who hears our voice needs to be talking to their friends and neighbors about this while it's still legal to talk to your friends and neighbors about this and say, you know what? New Mexico is not doing a good job. We're among the top half of states for COVID-19 deaths per 100,000. The lockdown doesn't work. And yet we're higher in unemployment than every other state but five others because of the lockdown. And so when you look at states like Utah, when you look at all the states that are doing great on unemployment, they're still fighting the same COVID-19 that the rest of us are, but yet somehow they're managing to keep their economies going. New Mexico has failed miserably, and it's, it's probably the greatest government failure I've seen. It certainly feels that way. Uh, I, I think that the governor probably doesn't have any direction going forward. I noticed a lack of confidence uh, in her approach, and she's looking at other people for the answers. Uh, and I think of most of the people who are around her uh, during many of those conferences with them not being, or you could literally hear uh, sort of the um, fear in her voice. Uh, I think that was very real and palpable uh, during that news conference. 
Well, I think also, too, you hear, you know, a condescending point of view. When you don't listen to me, then, by golly, things are going to be bad. It's really your fault. And so that is the situation. It is a constant um, stick of more closures, but a carrot of our freedoms that are supposed to be there regardless. She likes to tease us with, oh, well, the kids are going to be back at school. We have, you know, I mean, even the Atlantic, probably one of the most liberal publications on Friday publishes something that published a story that showed schools are not super spread or situations. There are places that have been in school for a couple months now, even in places where the virus is quote unquote a hotbed. And the kids are not spreading it. It is not a super spreader situation. It's more science that she will ignore. And the more science that she ignores while talking down to us, saying that we're the ones who are denying what's going on, the more people are going to see that massive disconnect that what she's saying is reality versus what really is reality. I, I mean, I can tell you, it, you know, I, I assume right now most of the people that can hear us in the Albuquerque area, I mean, how did it feel to wake up last weekend and you had like 10 balloons? in the sky, which was, don't get me wrong, 10 balloons is nice. It's a lot less than the 700 we usually have on that weekend. One of the right? things that's important to point out is we probably, actually, no, we not probably, we did. We had the best week of weather all time uh, during the uh, first week of October for the balloon fiesta, and we did not have the balloon fiesta to pair with it. It is, and these things that she's doing lead to generational disruptions in in getting back to a normal life. The athletics, or excuse me, the Atlantic story, rather, talked about how the school closure disproportionately affects poor kids. And that is what, you know, we are finding here in New Mexico. Kids who don't have high-speed internet or maybe access to devices are having an extremely hard time getting an education right now. And I'm sure you saw it too, and I did. Kamala Harris says we can't have a hearing on a Supreme Court nominee because, you know, virtually it just doesn't work. So I, I want to understand this. So uh, a virtual education is perfectly acceptable for my children, but the Senate can't lower itself to have a single virtual hearing. Is that is that what I'm understanding? And, I, you know, New Mexicans are going to see their taxes go up. They're going to pay more for the privilege of getting much, much less from their state because the governor just wants to keep things locked down. And if you look at the top 10 states in unemployment, they're all run by Democrat governors, and someone needs to start raising the, the concern of, are you guys just keeping these things locked down so that the economy looks bad for the next little while? It uh, will continue to look bad, and not just for the next little while. I spoke with Carol White, the Mexico Restaurant Association, this week. I'm sure you caught the interview, Larry, where uh, mm -hmm. she did not express any sort of confidence whatsoever or any uh, path moving forward. Uh, the whole idea was we're not going to file anything because we think that we're just at the uh, border of, of uh, a reopening and then you're getting all these notices that things are closing down again or seemingly going in that direction. I'm hearing directly from people with the state of New Mexico. Three months, yeah. if we continue to stay shut down, we're going to shut down our additional 30% of restaurants. Six months, there'll be more than two-thirds of the restaurants that will be gone because they will not have, to be, have been able to sustain the year-long shutdown. It is it is irreparable harm and and kudos I you know I, I want to say it loud kudos to Carol for she has been listening to her membership and she you know her organization has brought some of the lawsuits but let's be honest before those lawsuits came they did everything they could to just sit down and talk with the governor and say please help us understand 
What is going on? Walmart can be open. We could stand in line at Walmart. New Mexico United can play. There are all these places where you are allowing people to be under conditions that you say are dangerous, but are small restaurants who will be able to protect their workers and their customers are under your thumb and cannot be open. Help us to understand she will not meet with them. She will talk with national press outlets. She will not talk with local press. She will not talk with her constituents. And, you know, something that was it's still underreported is the fact that Dr. Scrace went before the legislature and Rebecca Dow asked him, you know, we have this medical advisory board, we have this economic board, you know, two or three other boards that you've mentioned, Dr. Scrace. What percentage of those meetings are open to the public? And Dr. Scrace had to say it's zero percent. There is no way the average constituent can participate in this, you know, discussion around these lockdowns that are impacting every one of our lives. The edicts just come down from Santa Fe. And, you know, I'm sorry, not every New Mexican lives in an 8,000 square foot residence like the governor does and is, you know, able to just have, you know, the Washington Post or CNN or somebody come and talk to her every day about how wonderful things are going. They have to worry about feeding their kids paying the mortgage, what's going to happen to their job since their business has been closed down. These are all things that New Mexicans are worried about, and she could care less. We're speaking with Larry Behrens. This is Power of the Future Radio uh, here for Saturday afternoon. We're not going to talk too, too much about uh, energy. We'll keep it short uh, on that front uh, here locally and just get uh, Larry's uh, thoughts going into this election season. And I'd like to kind of look at uh, things federally. Uh, It's been a week since we've spoke and uh we of course the uh, last time that we spoke we were talking uh we had just been notified that the president uh was infected with the uh, the, the coronavirus but how does that impact things uh do you think it's going to force people to move away and how does uh trump look for new mexico here in 2020 you know i i i always hesitate when it involves president trump to be a prognosticator because i've been proven wrong he he breaks so many of the rules, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Some of the things that we think are, you know, uh, ir- irreversible barriers, he is able to just take care and overcome them. I mean, if you looked at the polls four years ago right now, I mean, we were all there. We all knew what they said, and if you had believed it, well, it, as most people did, I know everyone says now that they that they believed that the president would, but, I mean, I looked around, and it was people thinking that there was going to be a President Clinton. Well, now, here we are, four years removed from that, and you have to wonder, is what we're hearing is that, you know, going to reflect the reality that we see on the ground? Here's what what I'm seeing. One, I'm seeing a Gallup poll that says, you know, more Americans feel like they are better off four years ago than they were uh or for, they're, they're better off than they were four years ago under the end of the President Obama. I can tell you in New Mexico, we were having massive energy output, massive jobs, and, and the economy was buzzing along because of the actions that were taken by the Trump administration. To that end, what we've seen over the last month and a half is Joe Biden having to flip-flop on how he feels about energy. We've seen it in his debates. We've seen it with his vice presidential debate. She has une- Senator Harris has unequivocally said she is in favor of banning fracking, but now she has to him and haw, and Joe Biden has to him and haw, because ever since they got the nomination, they've had to try to appear as centrist, when the fact of the matter is they want to ban fracking. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They can say, oh, no, just not, not new fracking. Well, all, all fracking is new fracking if you're going to ban it. Oh, oh I mean just federal lands. Well, that's over 30% of the land in New Mexico. It's going to devastate this economy. So these things that they're saying is, does not jive with what they said even just a few months ago. And people recognize that, obviously. And, uh, you know, how is that going to play? I don't know. The president and his bout with coronavirus, I think a lot of Americans were surprised, to be honest with you. I, I think they were, the, when they found out there was from concern to, um, uh, you know, just uh, questioning what happens, what goes on. And I bet you, if you had asked a week ago Friday, you know, do you think he'll be back in the White House on Monday? Nobody would have uh, thought that was the case. He's back in the White House on Monday. He is talking about doing rallies this weekend. And so the fact of the matter is, it is presented itself in a way that was unexpected. Now, generally speaking, uh, in, in the political world, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but when you have something that personally affects uh, a candidate or their family, there, there is a feeling of sympathy that, that is you know, expressed in the polls. Um, I don't want to, uh, obviously there is a political question to that. I don't want to make it overtly political, but that is what has happened in the past. I, again, Trump breaks a lot of barriers and a lot of rules, so I don't know if that will be the case here. But I can tell you, and, and I'm sure it's the same uh, uh, pattern that you've seen. Everyone is telling us that Joe Biden is massively ahead in the polls, which, okay, Joe Biden, massively ahead in the national polls. But why is Nancy Pelosi going before America on Friday talking about the 25th Amendment, right. you know, which is like 20, you know, what, or 25 days out from the election. Why is she talking about that if she really feels that Joe Biden is going to be the president? And I think a lot of people are seeing through that. It's like, well, that sounds like something you would do to prepare for the fact that Trump would be reelected. Now, she says it's not about Trump. And if you believe that, then I have, you know, ocean property in Española to sell you. And the fact of the matter is, this was part of their plan. And so we'll see how that impacts things. But I, I, I would feel that it's going to go in the, the uh, what's the word, in the column of another attack on Trump. It's going to go with Russia collusion, impeachment, and all those things. Just another thing Nancy Pelosi is trying to fire at Donald Trump to try to get some traction when nothing has stuck yet. And I, I got to tell you, I have seen some prognostications that are, I'll be the first to admit, they're gutsy, but have New Mexico light red when it when it's looking at the presidential. And and I could tell you on Friday, Joe Biden is spending time in Nevada. And the fact that he's trying to shore up Nevada, a state that he's supposedly leading in the polls, is interesting to me. I don't think if you're getting into the last three weeks of the election, which we're pretty much at, uh, if you're trying to shore up places that you believe you're in the lead at, um, that's an interesting indicator. So we'll, and, and we all know Joe Biden is not doing a ton of events. So they're being very selective about that. So that Nevada event, to me, raised some eyebrows. Let's make a couple of uh, quick observations based on that. The highest unemployment rate in the country is Nevada, so that's uh, one. I know I have plenty of friends uh, in Nevada that I still keep in uh, pretty close contact with. Uh, two, uh, Donald Trump had a huge, massive rally in, in Nevada uh, Joe Biden, when they attempted to have a rally on his behalf and for him, I think they had two cars in a parking lot just off the airport. And I'm not exaggerating. There's actually a video that, that I shared. Uh, back to the 25th Amendment stuff. Uh, additionally, let's not rule out the fact that uh, Nancy Pelosi would also be looking at this for just her own personal power grab. 
uh, by evoking the 25th Amendment. Because if Joe Biden were to become president, I, there's no doubt in my mind, and you know, hardly anybody has talked about this, uh, is that she'd love to move whoever she needs to move out of the way to put uh, her and Kamala at the very top, as we know that she is the third most powerful person uh, in the country. So it's not just for Trump, it's also for Biden. So this is a naked power grab. Uh, and there's, uh, if we have an undecided election, as you know, uh, Larry, there is one scenario where <laughs> Pelosi can become President Pelosi. So we'll talk more about that as we uh, near the end of all this. But let's uh, jump into some Power of the Future news very quickly. I've been visiting uh, the governor's calendar myself, and yeah, she hasn't been working very hard. There was a little interesting uh, meeting that she had last week with Virgin Galactic for 30 minutes. I thought that that was interesting, but uh, you uh, pointed out uh, at powerthefuture.com, New Mexico governor working less than half a day, but yet is making time for the environmental movement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just be upfront. The governor of New Mexico gets $174,000 a year of our money to do her job. And so at a time when over 100,000 New Mexicans are unemployed, she feels it's completely appropriate to put in less than four hours a week. But those hours she does put in, she spent time talking with, you guessed it, the United States Climate Alliance in New York. And that included Governor Newsom from California, Governor Paulus from uh, Colorado, and all these other left-wing governors where our governor took the time to say, we need to move away from fossil fuels. The governor of a state where over 40% of her budget comes from those fossil fuels and over 100,000 jobs are provided to her constituents from those fossil fuels has said she needs to move away from it. And let's just look at it. A year ago, October 2019, she told New Mexicans, I want New Mexico to be the number two oil producer in the country. I want us to surpass North Dakota. One year later, when perhaps she's auditioning for a different job, she's saying we need to transition away from fossil fuels. Which one is lying? Is it the governor that tells us she wants development in New Mexico, or is it the governor that says we need to transition away? Is she lying to the U.S. Climate Alliance, or is she lying to New Mexicans? I, I wish somebody you know, in the media would have guts to ask her who would have access to her, we haven't seen that yet, but the fact of the matter is she's doing very little work for a whole lot of money, and she is um, trying to undermine the number one industry in our state. And she's not going to stop. Uh, we heard on the debate stage uh, this week in the vice presidential debate, and it's been called out uh, already by President Trump when he was going back and forth with Biden, but it got lost in the shuffle. But uh, apparently the Democrats are claiming to be they are not going to be banning fracking. When it's clear, and we've talked about this several times over the last few weeks, uh, Larry, that Biden has stated uh, explicitly that he's going to uh, ban fracking, yet Kamala Harris comes out and says, no, absolutely not. Joe Biden will not ban fracking. I mean, all you have to do is, is anyone who's listening can Google it in 0.5 seconds. You can see where Biden told Bernie Sanders, Biden has told constituents, and Biden has told debate audience. Camilla Harris has told people in the audience of the debate they are going to do it. They think we are stupid. They think that we will not pay attention to what they said just a month ago. And they, they assume that they're just going to be able to gloss over the fact that they said something just a few months ago, and now they're saying something completely different, and they're going to have their complicit cohorts in the media 
not call them on it. It is um, something that, you know, I, again, I, the only way I can describe it is they must feel that we are really stupid because if they really think that we don't believe they have it out for fracking, then all we have to do is look at their record, look at what they said, and believe them. And I know it's hard to believe what they've said, but again, it's it's very similar to what we just talked about with the governor. Were you lying, Joe Biden, in May, or are you lying now? Were you lying, Kamala Harris, in May, or are you lying now? Because the two things you've said are irreversible. You can't um, you know, nuance them away. They are irreversibly two different positions. Which one were you lying about? And no one has the guts to, to so far ask. But, you know, in defense of the media, the Biden campaign usually calls a lid by 9 a.m., and so it's hard to get a question in sometimes. Larry, let's talk about uh, probably the biggest issue in this election, and that is uh, one Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham attempting to uh, circumvent the entire Public Regulation Commission and put it under her, uh, her, her wings, so to speak. She's already kicked them out of their building. I mean, this woman has just got this naked aggression, uh, of the governess, uh, for the PRC. And uh, now there's an, a lot of money which is being directed to basically oust the PRC entirely. It's a, a ballot question uh, here in New Mexico, and they spent a quarter million dollars. Absolutely. Well, let's let's unpack. And there's a, it's a little weedy, but I'll, I'll try to, to to get through it quickly. The Public Regulation Commission is the body in New Mexico that uh, either gives thumbs up or thumbs down when your utility rates go up or down. If PNM wants to raise your rates, they have to go to the PRC to get approval for that. Sometimes PRC approves it, sometimes they don't. The PRC is made up of five people right now. Each of them has a unique district, geographical district in New Mexico. Every New Mexican has a PRC member that represents them that they can vote for, that they can yell at if they don't vote the right way, just the same as you would a member of the legislature or or the state senate or any one member of congress so what the governor is pushing really hard to do and eco left groups to your point eddie have dropped in over a quarter of a million dollars in new mexico to try to help her do is to say we're going to get rid of allowing the public to vote for those members we are going to instead let the governor appoint a three-person prc that will then decide how your bills get handled. Now, if the Environmental Defense Fund out of New York City, which is the ones that have dropped in this quarter of a million dollars, if they've dropped in that much money, and if this proposition passes, what do you think they will expect? I would argue they're going to expect that one of those seats on the Public Regulation Commission that is now appointed by the governor will go to someone from the Environmental Defense Fund. And if that happens... When a vote comes from PNM to say we want to build more windmills, but it's going to raise New Mexicans' electric rates 20%, how is that PRC going to vote for it? How is the governor-selected PRC, the governor who takes thousands upon thousands from the eco-left group and then appoints someone from the eco-left to the PRC, how do you think that is go they are going to vote? They are going to vote in favor of their own eco-left special interest, regardless of what it does to New Mexico ratepayers. And and I'm, I'm sympathetic to the argument that, you know what, the PRC has not been great in the past, which is a fair argument. But you know what, if the PRC is not great, then we have the opportunity as citizens to vote them out or to pick up the phone and call our member of the PRC. But my favorite part of the campaign that the eco-left is running is they say the PRC needs to be professionals and not political. 
Well, first of all, that's an outright lie because they want the governor, the most political office in the state, to appoint the PRC members. But it's the insinuation that the PRC right now is not professional. And let's just be honest, where did Ben Ray Lujan get first elected in the state of New Mexico? He was a member of the PRC. Oh, and so, there we go. Look at that. Waiting for the punchline. Yeah, if he wasn't, so if if the PRC wasn't professional, what does that make Ben Ray Lujan, according to the eco-left groups? I'll just leave that question out there for the audience. As always, we appreciate you, Mr. Larry Barons. Thanks uh, for being here in the Kiva. And uh, why don't we bump out to the uh, more cowbell remix? How about that? I, I think always, I got a fever, Eddie. I got a fever. <laughs> and the only here. fever is more cowbell. And the only prescription is more cowbell. All right, Larry, thanks for being here. See you same time, same place next week. That music is powering the future. Stay tuned. Stefan Helgeson is next.